Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories, and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. I hope that today finds you in a wonderful place, but I can promise you this, if you will hang out with us for this next hour, you will be in a good place when we're done. Today, we're going to inspire you. I have brought one of my oldest and dearest friends who spends his life, has invested all of himself in inspiring you, in being inspirational to you, and in really breaking down the concept of being inspired, being motivated, really truly succeeding in life because you do the things that are most important first. And that's keep yourself up. Um, you know, life has its issues. We all have it. You know, there's the old saying, uh, you can't get out of life unscathed. And, and it's true, stuff comes up. But the way that we handle after it, that is the true mark of success. You know, they say that the real mark of a winner isn't how many times they get knocked down. It's that they always get back up, that they have that one more get back up in them regardless of how much has been thrown at them in life. Um, I think of Derek Redman. Um, you know, whenever I give that example, uh, I don't know that there's anybody that I know of um, that has lived that out in front of all of us like Derek did in the 1992 Olympics. Um, some of you heard the interview that I did with him. Some of you have read his book. Um, others of you have gone on YouTube and uh, and seen the actual video from the Olympics. I encourage you, you know, both listen to Derek's uh, interview that he did with me, but also go on, uh, you know, to YouTube and look up the Derek Derek Redman uh, 1992 Olympics. It will inspire you at a level that. Uh, you know, many people never find themselves inspired by. To see Derek go down, um, you know, when his hamstring snapped um, and laying there in, in what can only be an agony. And I've heard Derek tell the story enough times that he got back up and he really legitimately believed when he first got back up that... He could still get up and still win the race. I don't know that anything defines the heart of a champion more than that. Um, you know, it was a 440, so it's not a really long race. It wasn't like it was a 26-mile marathon. Um, but he had that belief in him. He had that inspiration, that motivation within inside of himself to get back up. And when it became apparent that... Um, you know, that he wasn't going to be able to. Um, he still had to finish his race. And I encourage all of you um, to really emphasize 
completion, to emphasize accomplishment, not in the haughty, arrogant kind of a way, but in the sense of dedicating yourself to something and then committing yourself that no matter what comes up, you are going to succeed. You are going to hit that goal line, make that deadline, succeed in that thing, that goal that you have in front of yourself. I think of the quote, when you want something bad enough to go out and fight for it, to give up your time for it, to lose your peace and sleep for it, when all you dream and scheme is about it and life is less and worthless without it. Give in, but don't give up. You will succeed with the law of reciprocity because there ain't no excuses. And there really isn't. Stuff comes into all of our lives. And there may be... Uh, you know, a crossroads that you come to and you may need to go a different path than you expected. But that's not failure, that's wisdom. If you're going after something um, and God makes it clear that that's not the direction to go, we often as people fight against that. I know I did for years about things. But when we give in, but don't give up, because the goal is more, it's bigger, it's better, it's greater than the dream that you had. It's like the story of the little trees, and I'm not going to tell the whole thing, but the concept is, is their dreams would be a mighty ship, and to be a grandiose bed. And to point men to God. And those three little trees just dreamt of that until they grew into big trees and were chopped down and made into a simple fishing boat and a manger and a cross. And yet without those three things, regardless of your belief system, those are iconic symbols that many of us know the stories of that have made an impact in all of the world because the little trees discovered that there's something bigger, something greater than our sometimes even limited dream. And when we have as our goal for accomplishing our highest, best purpose in this world, and we're willing to let things that keep us from that, even amazing opportunities to be able to go after that, we can continue and we can succeed. And at the end of the day, success is a journey. It's not a destination. We often race towards the goal line like there's an award for winning at life. You know, getting through life and being the first one to the end. You don't want that. Think for a minute what that actually means. What you want is deep, rich, 
wonderful, compelling, awesome days every day of your life. And that's why we call the show Thriving Entrepreneur is because we want you to succeed, to thrive every day of your life as a thriving entrepreneur. You are an entrepreneur. You may have a goal in mind and you're still working a job. You may have just started your company and it's really hard. You may have been in business for a few years and you've hit some bumps in the road. Or maybe you're in any one of those circumstances and you're living your best life right now. Whatever side of that equation you might be on today, the secret to going to your next level is you have to be wired, fired, and inspired. You need to have inspiration mainlined in your veins to the point where if somebody cut you, an inspirational message jumps out. The doctor has taken blood at the clinic, and when they pull out the blood, uh, you know, a Tony Robbins quote or a Lisa Nichols quote or an Oprah Winfrey quote comes sailing out into the air along with your blood. Now I realize that that's metaphorical, but I do believe that you can be inspired, motivated to that level. And here's the reason why. Because then we live our best life. And what that means is we fulfill the purpose that we have on this planet. That purpose being to help the people that each of us was meant to serve. And that, that my friend, that is truly what it means to live as a thriving entrepreneur. Don't go away. We will be right back. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. All right, it is time to get wired, fired, and inspired. I'm so excited to bring back to you my good friend, Ernie Villanueva. Hi, Ernie. How are you doing today? I am living the dream, Steve. I hope you are, too. I am. I feel so blessed. So um, catch us up a little bit. What has been going on in your life the last couple of years? Well, the last couple of years, I have been traveling and 
I'm, I'm very, very committed to missionary projects. And uh, to say that, that uh, the privilege of traveling the world has, uh, has altered my perception of humanity, of people, learning different cultures. And one of the greatest, uh, the greatest revelations, Steve, that I found is that not everybody's brain is wired the way an American's brain is wired. And when you go to these different countries, you have to get to know the people and understand what's important to them. And a lot of time, what's important to them is radically different from what's important to us. And when I wrote a book uh, many years ago, In Search of a Perfect Attitude, what inspired me to write that, Steve, was as a result of all the people that I had met, I came to that conclusion that the most common form of addictive behavior all around the world is a negative attitude. And that, that's saying a lot. The most addictive is a negative attitude. And the reason why it's so addictive is because it's so pervasive and it's so accepted. And most people, they learn to be negative while they're growing up. And the sad thing is they learn it from dear old mom and dad sitting in front of the idiot box and criticizing and complaining and gossiping and laughing and ridiculing. And so sarcasm becomes natural, bigotry, prejudice, hatred, uh, all those things become natural. And when a young mind is exposed to that, it has an impact on them. And so as I travel the world in China, India, Africa, Australia, Europe, uh, all around the world, it is so wonderful to see how God has made all these people and the cultures and how those cultures have framed their minds. But every one of them, Steve, when they are point, when it pointed out to them about how to have a, how to have a good attitude and like myself in search of a perfect attitude. And I will be in search of that perfect attitude until the day I leave this earth. That's so important because, um, you know, a lot of times we don't celebrate ourselves. We, uh, you know, I think of the phrase that you have where we have emphasized fault to the point where, you know, we think that's the thing we should be in search of. Yeah. Well, a lot of times people, that they go around and look for fault as if there was a reward for it. And, uh, you know, I've met a lot of critics in my life, Steve, but I have never seen a statue or a monument or I've never seen an award given out to a critic, but to those people who have been criticized, lots of monuments and, and lots of awards have been, have been given out. So it's easy to be sitting on the back bench and to be looking at somebody who's trying to do something with their life. And maybe when they begin to try, maybe they're not real smooth and maybe they're not real cultured but you look at them down the road and you see the journey that they have been on and you see the status they have elevated themselves to. And I am in awe of that. So even the Bible said, don't despise a day of small beginnings. Yeah, it's been really fun. I am. I have been able to share watching Kathy go through that transition, you know, over the course of the last four or five years, seeing her go from the place where, not only did she not want to speak, but she um, was afraid of it, you know, to now where, I mean, she's actually in New Orleans right now while we're talking 
on a stage talking to people um, and sharing with them how to get their book done. It is just amazing to see what a person can do when they just step out just a little bit, even in that terror. You know, it, it is funny, Steve. Uh, speaking is something that is a passion for myself. And when I first started doing it, I used to get a little tape recorder and I would record whether I was able to speak in Toastmasters or I spoke at a sales meeting or Kiwanis or, or, you know, any kind of an organization, I would take that tape recorder and record it and I would take it home and I would listen to it. And every time I said, uh, or, you know, or like, or, you know, kind of like the Valley, the Valley girls talk, you know, and all that nonverbal communication. And when I went to Toastmasters, they would start you off in the beginning. They would give you like a two-minute talk. And if you and they have a bell ringer there. If you've ever been to Toastmasters, Steve, they got a bell ringer there. And if anybody says anything that is nonverbal communication, the bell rings. Well, I look at some of these people on television and some of the reporters, and you listen to them, and every other word out of their mouth is, uh... Uh, it's kind of like a diving board for them you know, to, 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 to catch their breath and go into the next phrase. But when a person learns to be able to express what's going on in that station of creation in their imagination, in my imagination, I call it a dream enchantment and enchantment and ecstasy. And, and I've even given my mind a name. My mind is called the village of anything is possible. And so when, when a person learns to speak like Kathy does, oftentimes the thing that holds people back, and, 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 and you read surveys of, of the things that people have fears of, and always at the top of their list, Steve, is the fear of public speaking, the fear they're going to be embarrassed or humiliated or they're going to freeze. So they say, well, I've got butterflies in my stomach. Well, I mean, if, if a person would understand it, your mind subconsciously knows that your body is going to have to exert extra energy. And so your mind sends the adrenaline down and people, if they're not used to that or they don't understand it, they say, Oh, I got butterflies in my stomach. Well, of course you do. All you got to do is learn to get those butterflies flying in formation. Mm. You know, I really appreciate the years that you've spent uh, emphasizing expertise in being inspired. Um, And I wanted to be really specific with those words because there aren't a lot of people that have that PhD that you've got in being inspired and inspiring people. Um, But let's kind of start out at kindergarten level for people who haven't ever been inspired what is just that you said that steve is so perfect because what i want to speak about is you know when we're born we're kind of at a disadvantage because we don't know much and we have to learn and learn and learn and then even when you get to be you know i kind of kid people when they turned 10 years old, I said, oh, so you're a teenager now. And they look up and they're, they're kind of surprised. Well, 10 years old, the mush in their brain, it's just beginning to develop. And then when they're 13 years old, I remember when I was, when I was growing up, if I ever had one of these smartphones, Steve, in my bedroom at nighttime when I was 12 or 13 years old, 
But God only knows what kind of trouble I would have got myself into. So mommy and daddy, they think they're little, they're little Johnny and Susie. Well, they're in bed. They, they've gone to bed. They haven't gone to bed. If they got a smartphone there, they're, they're traveling the world on that smartphone. And so uh, when a person gets a little bit older, they, they just start to learn how they're wired. And I compare it to an egg, Steve. If you take an egg, you know by experience there is a shell. But if you break that shell, there is an egg yolk in the middle of that. But there's an egg white before you get to the egg yolk. So the, the human being is a lot like the egg. On the outer, the outer shell, we have got what we call the physical realm. And that consists of our eyes and our ears and our taste and our smell and our touch. And uh, you know, each one of those, those realms of our physical dimension, it is separate and distinct. Like your eyes are a great treasure. If you didn't have eyes, you would be blind. If you didn't have ears, you would be deaf. And, and so each one of them is a treasure. But we have got to watch what we allow to go into that eye and into the ear. Because once we make that conscious decision on free moral agency to allow something into the eyes or ears, automatically you don't have to do anything. It goes to the back road of your mind, and there is produced a thought. And those thoughts become words. Words produce actions, and actions form habits. Habits produces character, and character determines destiny. So the eyes and the ears are so crucial, and there are so many, so many temptations out in the world today. And uh, there's so many things that, that we never even had to battle when we were growing up. So each generation has got different temptations. And like, like the Internet, that's the, mo the, the modern tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I love the good side of it, but I have watched people go on the evil side of it. And so now you get into the, the, the taste and the smell. There are some people because of, of illnesses or because of medication they've taken, they do not have the sensation of taste anymore. Everything tastes the same. I don't know if it's like mashed potatoes or, or corn or peas, but there's no differentiation of flavor. The taste buds are gone. And some people, they can't smell. So each one of those are a very, very precious commodity. And yet I've seen a lot of people, you know, that, that they're not able, they don't have, uh, they don't have self-control and they don't have discipline. And so they misuse their sense of smell and their sense of, of taste. And then you go down into the sense of touch. And, you know, Nike, right where, out where you are, they've got that slogan, just do it, do it, do it, do it. And that's how a lot of people do when they start getting of age and maybe they have their first intimate encounter as a teenager. I always say that life is one full thing after another and puppy love is two full things chasing each other. And so when somebody goes out and they have that, uh, that initial intimate encounter, it opens up a channel that they've never experienced it before. And so they want to do it again and do it again and do it again. So <clears throat> I'm just going to just recap that realm of the physical, and then I want to get your comments on it, Steve. So the eyes, if it looks good, look at it. If it sounds good, listen to it. If it tastes good and smells good, eat it. If it feels good, do it and do it and do it and do it and do it. So that's how people, they get trapped into habits 
because of their physical realm, but that's just the exterior. So your comment, Steve. So we walk around living like a shell, an eggshell, just waiting for somebody to crack us. That's what came to my mind. <laughs> Absolutely. So how do we go and, deeper and, than just that uh, fragile, ready-to-break shell? Okay. Now we have to go into, you know, we have to open up this, the, the eggshell, and now you get into the egg white. And for a human being, that's like your emotional realm or your spiritual realm. And again, there's five compartments in your spiritual or emotional realm, Steve. Number one is the conscience. And many people are walking around, and because of their physical realm and what they have allowed into their life through those five gates of their physical, now their conscious is filled with guilt and shame and condemnation and regret and disappointment, and there's no self-image, there's no self-confidence, and very little self-respect. Now, for a person who is able to say, hey, I'm not what I want to be, I'm not what I'm going to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be because I've learned and I've developed and I've grown. And because of that, a person has the capacity to forgive themselves for what they have done and say, hey, you know, uh, and I, I always tell people that to get a pad, Steve, and after you get a pad and a pen, go out and get a shovel and then get a match. And then get some red paint and a paintbrush and get a little, a little rock, a little monument. And so now write down for you only, for your eyes only, nobody to ever see it, write down in detail all the disappointments you've had, all the failures, all the mistakes, write them all down. And then when you're all done, get the shovel, dig a hole, and then get the match and light that page with all your past mistakes. Light it on fire and take the ashes and put it in the grave and then cover it up and then get that rock and put a rock on top of the grave and get the red paint and the paintbrush and put rest in peace and have a formal funeral for your past. And every time those hounds of hell or demons of doubt of your past, they try to surface. You say, past, you're a liar. I, I buried you. I, I didn't know then what I know now, but I, I'd never make that mistake again. So if a person can free themselves in their conscience, my, you want to talk about like, like getting a get out of, get out of jail card. So now you go down into the next compartment and that is the memory. Same thing, double-edged sword. A lot of times all we remembered is all the bad things that have happened to us in the past. And if we allow ourselves, we can have a, a poor me party, woe is me party, pity party, nobody understands me, and I'm never going to amount to nothing. And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. But the person who has insight and a person who has maturity, you know, for, for myself as, one of, as, as a man of faith, I remember my future, Steve. And that, that's, a, that's not skim milk there, is to live in a realm where you're remembering your future. I, I, I believe I'm going to live eternally, and I remember that. And that's what helps me, leads and guides and directs me. So now, real quickly, we go down into the third compartment, and that's the imagination. Wow, what a, what a realm that is. And, uh, you know, a, as we allow things into our physical realm, 
right away. It gets transferred. It goes down deep into the imagination. And people, they're so hooked. They've got TV stars and movie stars. They've got sports stars. It used to be if a guy was good in sports, he was a star. Then somebody had to be a superstar. Then they had to be a megastar. See, and, and, and people, they go there and they literally see, they bow down and they worship the talent that's in people, whether it's in sports, it could be in music, maybe an actor, or it could be a politician, or it could be in business. But people, they have an innate desire in themselves to worship. The, 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 and they'll find that worship fulfilled when they find somebody that they admire and somebody they respect. Like all the actors and, and the, the musicians and the sports people, they call the people that follow them my fans. Well, that word fan is a short word for fanatic. So I want to thank all my fanatics who follow me, who worship me, who follow me on Facebook, who, who listen and watch my games and go to my concerts. See, so, so instead of having that station of creation in your imagination fertilized, with your own you got to be the hero of your own movie and have your own dreams and your own goals and have passion to go out and develop yourself and fulfill the life that you are destined to live here on the earth but unfortunately most people go to the graves with the sweetest music yet unplayed so now the next realm down that is the realm of reasoning now remember steve all because we're so used to these realms we operate our eyes, our ears, our taste, our touch, our smell. All, we can do them all at the same time because we've been doing them for so long. We don't think about them. It's just there. Our eyes are just there. Our ears are just there. So now we get down into the reasoning, and that's where a person, you know, that, that mind has, has got to be trained. We've got to feed the brain. If a person does, does not give their brain emotional health food, they're going to wind up uh, disappointed. I, I've seen people, I call it being on the slow, silent, screaming slide to the bowels of ultimate despair. It, it's like the, the, they're, they're dying on the installment plan, going to their graves with the sweetest music yet unplayed the potential inside of them has never been has never been brought to bear so that realm of reasoning you can either reason yourself out of having a life that is fulfilled or you reason yourself and you train your brain by feeding your brain and meditating on all the things that you want to do and you want to become and the people that you learn from I mean, I know there's things I'm never, ever able going to be able to do, Steve. And one of them, I'm never going to be able to fly a fighter plane. No matter how much I want to fly a fighter plane, that dog, it ain't going to hunt. And I'm never going to be able to quarterback an NFL football team. And I'm never going to be able to go up on stage with a guitar and be a rock star. But I know there are things that I can do. And instead of sitting and watching the world go by and worshiping all the talent that other people have in other areas of their life, I'm going to find what talent I have and be able to live a life, an exciting life that's fulfilled by channeling all the resources 
that have been given to me. So now you reason yourself either into a great life or you reason yourself out of a great life. Now, the final one in that emotional spiritual realm, that's the realm of emotion, Steve. And that is one of the most treacherous realms that there is. And, and when I was a kid, 11 years old, I didn't want anything to do with girls. But girls, I, we don't want no girls around here. And the girls were the same way. We don't want no boys around here. But what happens around 13 years old when, when the wild hormones kick in? And puberty come. Now all of a sudden we're in the bathroom and slicking down our hair and putting a little cologne on, and uh, we want to be cool. And and so now all of a sudden the girls that is the focus of our admiration. And the girls the same way. The boys like the girls, and the girls like the boys. And and they say that life is just one full thing after another. And puppy love is two full things chasing each other. And I can tell you, I got a master's degree in puppy love when I was a teenager and into my 20s. And, and sometimes when, when the relationship ended, sometimes I ended it, sometimes she ended it. But I can tell you, Steve, when she ended it, it was like somebody reached into my heart and they ripped my heart out of my chest and they spit on it and they threw it on the floor and they stomped on it. And they said, I don't want to see you no more. I don't want to talk to you no more. You're not my boyfriend anymore. So what do we do? Go to the bedroom, turn the lights off, and sit there and, and, and just think about how bad life is. I don't want to eat. I can't sleep. I don't, I don't want to do nothing. My life is over. She was the one. And I'm sure most people who are hearing this, this call sometime in the future Maybe you say, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I remember going through that many times. And as a mom or a dad, you're going to see your children go through that. And you have to be able to help them navigate those emotions and realms and not slip into depression and not slip into, uh, you know, going into alcohol or drugs to mask the pain of broken relationships in that, that realm of affections. And so, you know, for me, uh, my Bible says, set your affections on things above. And so that's what I do. And that is a tremendous, tremendous, it's like a tele, it's like a periscope. If you're in a submarine and the submarine may be a few hundred feet under the water, but when that periscope, when it goes up and it breaks the surface, that captain down there, 600 feet underwater, he can see everything that's going on above the sea. And when you take that realm of your imagination and you, you go up and you look and you train your brain as to what you want to look at, you can, you can overcome all the emotional damage that can be done in that realm of the affections. And see, all that has to happen, Steve, is for those five channels in the physical, eyes, ears, taste, touch, smell, the five in the emotional, conscience, memory, imagination, reasons, affections, all that's got to happen is for one of them to get out of whack. And it can throw your whole uh, emotional equilibrium off and you become socially awkward. You become backward. You become shy and all those things happen. So uh, that's the end of the emotional realm. And I'm, I'm going to ask you to comment, Steve, and then we'll go into the last realm. And I'm going to answer that for you right after this commercial break here on Thriving Entrepreneur.
You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. I'm here with Ernie Villanueva, and we are focusing today on inspiration. Whether you're an expert at living motivated and inspired, or you are brand new to it, today we're giving a crash course in how to live inspired every day of your life as a thriving entrepreneur. Ernie and I have been talking about the three parts that make up you. First, we talked about your body, your five senses. And now Ernie was just talking about the emotional elements of you and the five parts of that. Ernie had asked me to respond to what he'd been talking about so far. And we took the commercial break. And now I'm going to jump back into that and respond to Ernie some comments that I've got about what it means and how the emotional part of us shows up in the world. So with our emotions, the biggest thing that we run into is that we let them be the pilot of the ship. Regardless of whether they're good, bad, or indifferent, we're letting them drive the ship rather than allowing something that's maybe a little better than that to drive the ship. And I bet you've got something that you can say that'll help us move out of that emotion realm, move out of that physical realm, and move into something that really is going to serve us. Well, you, you hit you hit the nail right on the head, Steve, because in that third realm, that is what's called the control tower. And and in the control tower, there is a captain guiding that ship. He's at the helm of that ship and he is either directing that ship into uh into a uh, a rock pile where it's going to be shipwrecked, or that person is guiding that ship into sailing waters, and that ship has the ability to crest every wave that comes their way. So in the control tower, if you have trained yourself that you are in charge, that's the question you want to ask somebody. Well, you know, if you're going through all these experiences, and some of them are disappointing, who's in charge? Who is the captain in your control tower? So <clears throat> my control tower <clears throat> is like a Marine Corps, <clears throat> excuse me, a Marine Corps boot camp, Steve. Uh, he's, he's a boot camp sergeant. And when, when my eyes say, I want to look at something, the control tower says, no, you're not going to look at that. That's bad. That's not going to benefit you. And if my ears, if they want to look at something, the, 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 the boot camp director says no. And the same thing with my taste and my smell and my touch. 
And then in the conscience, you know, my conscience, it wants to kind of get weak and get lazy and, and just kind of fall back and, you know, and, and go into la la land and just, you know, and, and just fall and fall. And, and, and like I say, feel sorry for yourself. But the one on the control tower says, no, you're not going to live that life. You're going to live an overcoming life. You're a victorious warrior. You're a soldier in this race called life. And the same thing with the memory. If, if, if your memory starts to get weak, then each one of those realms has got to be built up and fortified, Steve. It's got to be, you know, like there's got to be builders go in there and, and put up the, uh, the walls and put up the fortification and make sure the beams are strong because that's your foundation. That's your emotional foundation. So the conscience has got to be fortified. And, and the memory has got to be fortified. And the imagination, you have got to have like the secret service. Your emotional secret service have got to be on guard to make sure you don't allow anything in to your imagination that has the capacity to be like domino. You see one thing and all of a sudden, bang, 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 bang. And you're thinking and dreaming and imagining. And that's where fear comes from, Steve. You know, you, you know what fear stands for, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real, or false education appearing real, or what most people do, forget everything and run. But what the mature person does, he face everything and rise. So now in that realm of reasoning, you know, you've got to reason this out. Hey, you know what? what you know, I am in charge of my life. I have been given this time on earth. There's a plan for my life. I am loaded with potential, and I don't want to, to go to my grave without using that potential. So I am going to make a conscious education. Just a few, a few definitions, Steve. The definition of success is the progressive realization of a worthwhile goal. The definition of, of discipline is remembering what you want. The definition of patience is having the ability to idle your motor when you feel like stripping your gears. Now, some of these are original, but many of them, Steve, they've been around for a thousand years. The old philosophers of Rome and the philosophers of Greek, they had all these concepts. Many of them are in the Bible. They're in the book of Proverbs or in the book of Psalms. And people have come out and they have reworded them or reworked them or looked at it from a different angle. And it sounds good, but the wisdom of man has been around for a long, long, long time. And uh, I read where it says, it says those who diligently search after it is going to find it. And that's where the crux of things is, Steve, is they don't diligently search after them. So in that control tower, like the egg has the egg yolk, your control tower, that's the real you. That's who you are. And perhaps you're not, you're not happy with who you are right now. But that doesn't mean you have to stay there. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Yesterday is a cancel check. Tomorrow is a promissory note. Today is the only legal tender that we can spend. And if we take care of all of our todays, our tomorrows are going to be great. So in my control tower, the one who's steering my ship 
I want to have somebody who is going to guide me into smooth waters, but has the capacity, if the waves come, has the capacity to overcome that wave. Disappointment comes, heartache comes, sorrow comes, maybe somebody passes away or somebody disappoints you, and it's not a good feeling, but it doesn't have to alter the very core of your being of who you are. And so that's the <clears throat> has been my key to success is making sure that I am grounded from the inside and that inside person who is at the control tower. He is the captain of my emotional spiritual realm and my emotional spiritual realm then will control my physical realm. So say that a person who's listening realizes that they've got a squishy marshmallow in their control tower um, and they'd like to get a drill sergeant in there. Um, you know, what are the ways to be able to shape and mold that person in the control tower to the point where, like you said, they're not a squishy marshmallow? Well, you know, we, we do a lot of seminars, Steve, and I think you were probably in one of the seminars we did way back in, uh, in, in Beaverton there, where we would take people and we would hand them a greatest salesman in the world book and everybody would sit down or lay down and everybody had a book in front of them. And then we had about five readers and each reader would read six or eight pages and then the next one would come. So the ones who have got these books in their hand, they are listening to what that book says in their eye gate and their ear gate. See? And so then we would give them a break, maybe go out and have lunch. Then we'd come back. And the same program, the greatest miracle in the world. Now, I have never seen and I have studied long and hard for tools and weapons that I can put into people's hands who truly want to change their life, Steve. And those two books, the, the greatest paradigm shift that can happen at the fastest rate is to read those two books. And now I've got thousands of people that, that I'm in contact with that have done that. And now, you know what they're doing with their children? They're paying their children to read those two books and give them a book report summary of what they learned as a result of reading those two books. And I know you've read those books, Steve, but sometimes it's good to go back and reread them and realize the power and, 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 and the, the passion that is unleashed when a person sees the potential that's inside of them and uh, so that's the first thing that I would recommend. There's other books out there like Emotional Intelligence that helps a person understand how they are wired and helps you understand how other people are wired in their brain. You know, we've all got from, from the neck down, we've all got pretty much the same kind of a heart and lungs and kidneys and intestines and bones and knees and ankles and feet. But what goes on in the mind that's what really shapes us. And so many people, they spend more time planning a two-week vacation than they do planning where they want to be in five years. And your mind is a muscle. And you either will work it out and help it to learn and grow, or you will just float around on the waves and let it splash everywhere it wants to go. And you'll have a mind that is kind of that way, too. You absolutely hit the bullseye right there, Steve. 
I couldn't agree more. Those two books by Og Mandino, greatest salesman in the world, greatest miracle in the world. Um, you know, when I was talking uh, about six months ago on the show about my favorite books, I even read some excerpts from both of those books because they are, they're world changing. They're life changing. I mean, you'd have to be a stone to read those and not have some kind of new insight into yourself. Now, the, the insight that, that, that I receive from those books, Steve, is that now that I have been affected so dramatically and so radically by those books, now I have got, the, it's like weapons. It's like a carpenter has to have tools and a plumber has to have tools. And everybody that works in a specialized field, they have to have tools to do their job. And if we are in the self-improvement and the inspiration business, those two books, they are weapons in our hands. And, and we have the ability through the influence that we have to put that inspiration and material into the minds of those that we come in contact with. If they're ready, willing, and able. And your question is, if somebody is floating around there and maybe, you know, they're floating around in the physical realm, floating around in the emotional realm. What's the first step they would take if they want to build a future for themselves with a great foundation? No two better books I could recommend than those two, Steve. I know there's some people who have been feverishly taking notes this whole time while you and I have been talking. Um, and the good news is, is that you've been doing this for a while. You've got some resources that a person can hear you talk about the control tower, talk about controlling your destiny, um, having your destination in life be success. Um, you know, I think there's nothing better that a person could do than to invest in what they're putting into your ear hole, as you said earlier. Um, and, and there's some great stuff you've got here on your website that they could definitely uh, tag into and really get some more inspiration and motivation and positive power from i have found that that investing in yourself steve is an investment that always pays a dividend people invest in the stock market they invest in all kind of things and they're not sure what kind of a dividend they're going to get but if they invest in themselves which is a revelation in itself you know, inspiration, to me, it's a supernatural multiplication of inspiration and revelation for communication with yourself. We have to talk to ourselves. And just a little funny thing, there was a guy who talked to himself all the time. And his friend said, well, why do you talk to yourself all the time? He said, well, there's two reasons I talk to myself. Number one, I like to talk to intelligent people. And number two, I like to hear what intelligent people have to say. Absolutely. I agree. Hey, I just had a thought. Um, I know a secret that worked for me from the very first time I heard you talk. Um, and gosh, I'm trying to remember how many years ago. I know it was like 20 or 30 years ago minimum <laughs> that, um, that I remember your first time. You have an attitude sticker. Um, and you suggested taking that attitude sticker and putting it on your wallet. Um, yep. you know, so that your wallet 
gets a new attitude. And so every time you bring out that wallet um, or purse for the ladies, um, you know, you think about the positive use of your money. And I'm wondering if there's a way that we can facilitate, uh, you know, because I know from your website you sell them in 100 packs, but is there a way we could facilitate people as individuals getting attitude stickers? Is there something we could put together to do that? Well, you know, I'm looking at my wallet right now, and it's got my attitude sticker on it. And and the concept that I used to tell people, Steve, is if you get a cold in your attitude, it will produce pneumonia in your pocketbook. And so the company that used to make those attitude stickers has just informed me that they have been bought out by another company, and they don't know what's going to happen and they got management changes. And at this time they have frozen all orders until the, the new management takes charge. But I would suggest that a person can go to their computer and just type out the word attitude and type it out, put it on a piece of paper and get a, and just get a, a, a piece of tape and just tape that word attitude right on their wallet. And every time they pull out their water, they, the wallet, they can remember if I get a cold in my attitude, it's going to produce pneumonia in my pocketbook. I suggest, uh, yeah, absolutely. I think everybody should do that. And I really do think that everyone should check out ErnieVillanueva.com. Ernie has a ton of resources on that website. Um, and I, I really do encourage you to check out the stuff, pick up, um, you know, maybe even the complete set with the 24 CDs and 16 DVDs. Uh, but you know, at the very least get the control tower CD, get some things that are going to empower you to live inspired, motivated, positive. Uh, you know, there's just not enough, positive words I can say about how impactful living an inspired life is in your world. Ernie, thanks so much for spending some time just juicing us all today and helping us really start off today better. Well, Steve, I just want to say if there's any salespeople out there, there's one CD, it's called Five Steps to the Sales Process. That's getting the customer's attention, interest, conviction, desire, and close. And another one, they want to work on their attitude. It's called supercharge your attitude now. And like you say, that control tower is a recap of the thing we talked about today. Thank you very much, Steve, for this great privilege and the high honor of being able to speak to yourself and to the, the people who listen to you. And I'm so proud of what you're doing. I hope that leaves you wired, fired, inspired, motivated, ready to take on the world. I bring people like Ernie to you because I know how impactful they can be. I know how impactful, informative, and influential words are in our lives. And that sometimes what we need more than anything else in this world is we just simply need someone to reach out to tell us that things are better than what it may feel in the moment. And sometimes we need somebody to inspire us, to take us from victory to victory. So it's not only the times when you're down that you need to be inspired and motivated, it's also the times you're up. The valleys that come in life, they're there, 
but they don't have to be mandatory. You don't have to, after you've peaked, go down into a valley. And so I encourage you, find inspiration anywhere and everywhere that you can, and then share it with the world. Be the inspiration to others that you need in your own life. That is why I love so much being able to be part of Bestsellers Guild for Kathy and I to show up in the world in a way that really helps people make an impact. You know, we said, and it's a couple years old now, but we had tracked just the first day launches from just 2016, and there's been so many since then. Um, you know, about three times as many as there were in 2016 total now. Um, and in 2016, the 156 people that became best-selling authors on just the very first day, because that's all we tracked, over 80,000 people got new information, got inspiration, got just a little tip that'll help them move just a needle point shift forward. And, you know, even if you only just took it uh, three times that, which I know it's way more than that, but if you only took it three times that for just first days, you know, you're talking a quarter of a million people that have gotten something that they need just on that first day. And then when you multiply that by all the people that have gotten those books over the course of the last two years, that's an impact in the world. And that's the kind of impact that you're meant to make with your words, with your message, with you. Because you are uniquely brilliant. You were created for a purpose and the world does need you. Please know that Kathy and I started Bestsellers Guild because we want to celebrate everywhere along the journey that you're on. That fear moment when you know you have a message but haven't shared it yet. When you start writing your book as it's being processed and edited and uploaded. And then while you're writing a book, why not also make it a bestseller? And then seeing all the things that that book does in the world. We love being a part of that. And we'd love to have you as part of our group on Facebook. You can just go to bestsellersguild.com and ask to join. It's a free group. We would love to have you part of it with us. So that we can help you live wired, fired, and inspired. And get your message out into the world. And allow you to live every day of your life as a thriving entrepreneur. Until next time, have a great week. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? 
Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today.